Ken Miller, Trent Condon. They are Miller and Condon on Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. Hi, good morning, everybody. Welcome in. It's Miller and Condon on Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KX. Oh, talking sports with you for the next couple of hours. Localizing as best as we can, and we will do that in a big way. In the 11 o'clock hours, we'll talk to Dylan Montz on Iowa State. We'll recap their big win over Texas this past Saturday and take a look ahead tonight. Uh, ESPN 2's got the television, 100.3. The bus has the radio call. It's an 8 o'clock tip as the Cyclones are in Norman to take on Oklahoma team that's uh, reeling coming off. I think they've lost two straight now. They got beat by West Virginia uh, on Saturday. So a winnable basketball game for Iowa State. It's on the road. Uh, but we'll talk a lot about that. Uh, and then Scott Dockerman will be our final guest of three here today. Doc slides in about 11.35. Wrote a really good piece this morning at The Athletic. For those of you who are subscribers and Hawkeye fans, he took a look back at the 1999 recruiting class for Iowa and just how that helped shape and really kickstart the uh, the Kirk Ferentz era. Uh, so we'll do that with Doc and also take a look back at just a remarkable, just, uh, unbelievable Friday night at Carver Hawkeye Arena. Um, Fridays are a thing in the Big Ten. Friday was a thing at Carver Hawkeye Arena this past week with a big one over Michigan. Trent, I really uh, teetered back and forth about starting there and spending significant time <laughs> on that game because it was so, I, I don't know, maybe too over the top to say improbable, but mm-hmm. uh, it was huge. Look at huge win. They're back on a five line again after beating Michigan in some brackets, including our buddy Shelby Mass. You know, one thing we talked about a lot last week with Iowa hoops is the the fan base, the portion of the fan base that doesn't feel like they can jump on the bandwagon with both feet. That's the kind of win mm-hmm. that you can really hop aboard and say, all right, this at least is a tournament team, yep. and then you see where the chips fall from there. No doubt. Um, Shelby has Iowa State as a four. He has Iowa as a five, both in San Antonio. And if they both win their first game, they would collide in the round of 32. Now, I hope Shelby's right. I believe he probably won't be, but a lot of games to be played, and we'll get to him on Wednesday. So let's go to yesterday, and let's recap the Super Bowl. I don't know about you. I know I'm in the minority. Football's football. Some of it's better than others. Mm -hmm. It was a different game, Trent. I was entertained. I, I was entertained. How about you? It was a close game. That's what I'll give it. Okay. It was a close game. And if you like defensive football, you got mm-hmm. to see plenty of that. Bill Belichick versus Wade Phillips, two elite defensive minds. But it wasn't exciting. It wasn't sit on the edge of your seat. Where's the next play going to happen? Right. You had to be a football fan to really enjoy that game. That that's a good point. That's a true story. And you know, I'll I'll bring up one example, just how over the top excited Nance got with a record punt, right? Sixty yes. five yes. yard punt. I mean that, that to that point might be uh the highlight of the game. The punchers had good days on both sides. The yes. Patriots puncher had a really good day. I mean it was like a, he's hitting a sandwich and backing that bad boy up. Um but lots, lots to talk about, obviously, and the, the the beat goes on for this Patriots team, and and I've you know come full circle. You, you have to appreciate what you're seeing here. You really and truly do. Brady's still playing at an elite level, dropping that ball in Gronkowski's arms a couple of times. Uh, both of them on both sides of the field. It was, it was a Tom Brady like performance when it counted, Trent. Down the stretch after the first pass, and they're running the football effectively, four straight mm-hmm. runs. 
to open up the football By game. By the way, 20 to 1, Brady p- first passes picked off. I, I was kind of surprised it was even on the board. Oh, it's all on the board, Ken. Yeah, and, um, you know, Jason uh, got back to us very quickly. I think Bama asked me that question, but 20 to 1, he would get picked off for the first. Uh, you know what else they put on the board, which I was really surprised because I don't know. Will the opening kickoff be run back for a touchdown? Yeah. And a guy bet $60,000 to make two grand. On the no. Uh, yeah, on, on the no, right. So if you want to bet no, it won't be run back. It costs you $60,000, $30,000 to make a grand. Um, I was surprised that they would put that up there, knowing that you're probably going to be... You know, pay not a lot of uh, pay not a lot of people if the because you never bet a lot to make a little. That's no. what's one of the rules. But yeah. that was one that worked out yesterday. But uh, yeah, anyways, I don't know how Vegas did. I know how the television numbers came out, uh, and they've just been released within the last half an hour, I believe. There's been some unofficial stuff out there, but it is now official that last yesterday's Super Bowl was the least watched Super Bowl in the last ten years. Least watched in the last ten years. Now, of course, last year we were going through everything. On the political side of things and TV numbers across the board were down. Oh, sure. The NFL was up this year. Yes, they were. Excellent point. I forgot all about that last year. So that's a bit surprising mm-hmm. with me. Now, fatigue. Uh, New Orleans was not going to watch the Super Bowl come hell or that. high water, and they were one of the biggest markets that's metered, meaning mm-hmm. um, you can actually tell as opposed to uh, filling out surveys, or I don't know how they do it, getting picking up the phone and calling people. That's how they did it in the old days. But New Orleans didn't watch the Super Bowl. To no one's surprise, Los Angeles and Boston did. And Los Angeles, I mean, it's just the Rams aren't a big fan base. With, no, but with it rained all moving. weekend. And I'm wondering if the number was even higher in Los Angeles sure. because it was a dismal weekend. But how many, there just aren't a ton of Rams fans No, nationally. no, of course not. In comparison to a Steelers. Right. Well, did you see the, and it was funny as hell, I wish I would have pointed this out to you. After the win in the AFC Championship, there was a a shot of a peach punt. You, you've, seen, you've seen group gatherings at bars or something when mm-hmm. a, a goal scored in soccer or a yes. big plane, and the bar goes crazy and the beer is flying all over. They showed a, rare, a, a, reserve, a very reserved bar in Los Angeles when the AFC, and nobody cheered hardly at all. It was like... Couple of claps, yeah, a couple of claps. But that just kind of epitomizes what I think of, you know, L.A. Rams fans or L.A. sports fans in general. Unless it's the Lakers, unless it's the Lakers it's or a little the bit Dodgers, different. but the Lakers clearly yeah. uh, do move the needle there. But the game itself yesterday, Trent, it was look, uh, Edelman. I think had to get the MVP. You could mm-hmm. find a guy on the defensive side of the ball. Gilmore was spectacular. Looked to play, and I'm not sure which McCourty made the play to recover. Uh, in the end zone, that wasn't his guy. The, he got behind the safeties, and Goff, who played a horrible game, by he the way. He was bad. He was awful. Uh, but got, but saw his, was it Cooks that was standing alone in the end zone? Yeah. Or Woods, it was Cooks, right? Yeah. And, uh, and McCourty runs over and, and knocks the ball away. That was a massive play, as we would come to find out. There were moments in the game... Um, you know, you, 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 there's drama at the very end. Brady's trying to extend a drive and to run out the clock, and you're hoping if you're, you know, just whether you wanted to see a little bit more uh, drama and maybe give the Rams another opportunity to go down the field and tie it, but uh wasn't going to happen. It wasn't, and now six out of nine six for Brady. Nine. Yeah. You get into Joe Montana 4-0. Yeah, by the way, Joe Montana in that Super Bowl commercial with all the yeah. NFL vets and some of the current players who were paid nothing. Oh, really? Paid nothing. 
to appear. They were paid their expenses. Uh-huh. I don't know where it was filmed, but all of those guys uh, decided. <laughs> the Dolphins fans sitting at the round table, the Dolphins players sitting at the round table with their jackets on, mm-hmm. Zonka and company. I mean, there's so many parts. You, the more you watch the commercial, at least I find, I'm seeing stuff that you know that didn't that got by me the first time. Commercials were meh. Yeah, it was a struggle early on. It really now, was. That this might be a, a shot at our Iowa State listeners. Mm-hmm. I've never enjoyed the Bud Light, olden times commercials. I've never found the them dilly enter- dilly. Yeah, never found them entertaining. Never smiled once at them. Yeah, I'm glad the dilly dilly guy was written out until yesterday because yeah, he yeah. he hadn't appeared in any of the recent ones. You know, they were, were sacking the castle or whatever, uh, the ones that they um, you know they have people over from the other castle. Anyway, I don't want to get into that, but I know what you mean about the dilly dilly thing. Um, Never yeah. did it for me. Yeah. Did you like the corn syrup the no. being delivered to the wrong place? The wrong- it was stupid. I thought it was absolutely See, I idiotic. That one. The bar- I was trying to find. Look, I don't think that the. Was it Hyundai? Where you're on the elevator and you're getting off at yes, the root I, canal? That was one of my favorites. I think it might have been the winner. Yeah. But most years, or ten years ago, when Super Bowl commercials were actually good, right? That one would have been a. Eh, it was it's good, right. yeah. But these other four, five, or six were so much better than that. Yeah, it was. It was. Uh, they've run out of ideas, kind of like the same way they've run out of movies. Um, right. <laughs> they've run out if of it's, ideas. unless it's a superhero. Yeah, that's true. They're it out was, of ideas. There was a ton of stuff in that. All right, so let me ask you this because I've been meaning to. I, I I don't know the answer to this. Why do we hate Maroon Five? And is it Levine or Levine? Adam Levine. Why do we hate Adam Levine and Maroon Five? Uh, I don't know the answer to this. I don't. I didn't find the halftime show as bad as most people did. Why do we hate him? I don't know the answer. I don't know the hatred, where the hatred comes from. I can't answer that part. Are they, are they now Coldplay? Because we Kinda, apparently hate them now. Not, or, not as talented, but yeah. Not as talented as Coldplay. Okay. Adam Levine has never bothered me. Maroon 5, their songs, you hear them on 107.5 a lot, you know. Mm-hmm. They're fine. Yeah, I didn't I, know I never, anything he sang other than Phone Booth prior to the Super Bowl, but mm-hmm. I, um, the moves like Jagger, I've yep. heard that song before. I didn't know it was Maroon 5, but I, I guess I'm trying to know, figure out why, we, why we're supposed to hate them. I, I thought it was just a bad performance. That's okay. what it was. And but even though, but even before they took the stage, there was vitriol. Oh out there. Yes, my! Yes, and, and I, I'm not a musical guy, so I don't know the reason behind right. that or why, where that comes from. Yeah, they're they're a pop group and they're mm-hmm. fine. I don't have any bothers there. I just thought the performance was bad, and I know there was the pushback. I think really came. There were a lot of people upset. You're in Atlanta. Atlanta has had this resurgence in the musical scene over the last 20, 25 years. And Look at you. Especially the hip-hop scene is big. I'm sure you... Have you ever watched the show Atlanta? No. It's very relevant to that music scene and what it's been and what it's been over... You got Big Boy out there. We'll remember of Outkast. You know Outkast songs I, even. I from, don't. Do I? Yes, yes you'll, you'll know some songs from back 15 years ago-ish. Oh, they did the baseball song, didn't they? No. No, okay. No. I don't know, Outkast. Ms. Jackson, no. Bombs Over Baghdad. No. If you heard him, you would know him. Maybe. Regardless. Okay. But you had this musical scene. You're in Atlanta, and you don't... And finally, last minute, oh, we'll put Big Boy on the stage. He was out there for, what, was 25 Was that the guy seconds? with the fur coat? He was the second... Yeah, the, okay. the second guy. It, all right. There's there There you go, Atlanta. There's that. So I think that's where the initial blowback. It's the NFL not looking at things big picture, but all right, let's just put another group out there. You know, it's it's completely different. I think that's the reason that a lot of people were upset about it. 
Do something that makes sense in the city that you're in. You know, last year with the Prince theme that they had, that was incredible. Mm-hmm. Who was the act, though? Do you remember? I don't, I don't even remember. I don't either. But I remember the Prince part of it. Yeah, I, I do remember that now that you mentioned that. Look, I've been to three Super Bowls. James Brown and ZZ Top were Super Bowl 31. It was me. Super Bowl 43, I was at. That was Tampa and Arizona. It was Bruce Springsteen. Okay. Uh, and I'd never seen him before, and that was pretty good. Yeah. And then Super Bowl 50, I was at, and it was, it was Coldplay. And I don't remember who else was part of it, but it was, there were, I think, a couple, Beyonce maybe? I don't know. I really don't know. Was Beyonce with with Coldplay in Super Bowl Fifty? Oh, I don't even I remember. They, they remember. all mesh together. It's I. It's not a big deal for me. I mean, my my favorite musicians are dead. So yeah. Uh, did you see the open with with Peyton Manning? No. And John Malkovich. Uh-uh. Oh, it's it it spectacular. But what time was it? 5 o'clock. 5 o'clock? Right at 5 o'clock. I, when think, pre- I think we finished up Puppy Dog Pals at about 5.05. Did you? So, so you missed it. You, yeah. If you can find it, I would recommend you doing that. I thought it was a great open. Okay. Uh, let's get Chuck in here. He's going to opine. Chuck, welcome to the program. How are you? Hey, you know, I, I just tuned in. You were talking about Maroon 5. It was interesting because I've always kind of liked them, okay? I've, yeah. I've got a couple of their older original albums on my phone. I listen to them when I'm out working out sometimes. But as soon as he started singing, I looked at my line, I'm like, he doesn't really sound special. Mm-hmm. There's nothing. It seemed plain. And it just didn't seem like, wow, this is Super Bowl. And, he, and the other thing was... I could see that the other band members had microphones and they acted like they were singing, but it didn't sound like their microphones were hot. <laughs> yeah. Like he was singing solo. And then the special effects, I think, are getting a little carried totally away. Totally agree. And my, my eight-year-old grandson was watching. He even said the same thing. That was interesting. Um, I, what did you guys think about those drones? Do you think they were real, the, the lit drones that put the different words in the sky? Or do you think that was digital effects just for TV? Do you think the people in the stadium saw that? I wonder. Excellent. Chuck, thanks for the call. I I don't know the answer, but I know what you're referring to. It's an excellent point. Um, I don't know the answer. The second one said love. I can't even remember what the first yeah, I don't, word that I was up the, there. I remember the love part of it, too. Now, mm-hmm. did you see uh, Gladys Knight? I yes. thought she was great. I had my stopwatch out. I was ready to go. Uh, did you go under? I went under. You did go under. Yeah, I got I a win. Bovada made it a win on both sides. Why? Well, because of the second Brave. She's singing Brave. Yeah. And then the second and she the Brave a... went way over. Gotcha. But if you cut it off at that first Brave, it was right at the number, which is a minute 49. Got marked a victory, and I needed it after last night because well, it was rough on the props. Yeah, I saw some of your stuff earlier. <laughs> you know, there, there's a reason that Nevada doesn't put those type of props up. Because of stuff like this. Because of stuff like that. Yes. I thought she was great. Look, the, the bar is always and forever, in my opinion, will be 1991, mm-hmm. Whitney Houston. And I don't care if she lip, uh, lip-synced it, which apparently she did. Um, I still listen to that. I still listen to her version. I did yesterday on my iPad. And the hair on my arm stands up or the back of my neck. Yes. I think it's absolutely amazing. And compound that because that's not my anthem and it does that to me. I think it's spectacular the way she did. And I thought yesterday, I thought Gladys Knight was really good. I really did. Yes, she was. I, I, I'm right there with you. I thought that was really good. I thought beforehand when they saw America uh, the Beautiful. America the Beautiful. That was outstanding. See, I don't. I didn't. It's not that I didn't like it. Um I don't know. That uh, that really didn't register. It doesn't with reverberate with mm-hmm, you. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's the Canadian maybe, a little bit. Maybe, Very well could but be. But the anthem but, does. Yeah. and You that, guys have a wonderful anthem, by the way. When it's sung, because it's got to be hard to sing. 
Musicians will tell you one of the most difficult songs to sing. And when you hit all of those, it's a it's a beautiful anthem. It really is. I'm um yeah. It's now great. we're a couple of weeks away from getting to hear Fergie or somebody like that at the NBA All Star Game. No, remember that? Well, I won't remember see that disaster from two. Like, I two do years remember ago. it vaguely. Yeah, I do remember. You can't it, try to make it your own. No, you can't. Well, let's do a couple of minutes on basketball. We'll get mm-hmm. back to the Super Bowl. It was it, it was okay. It was just different. Yeah. It was, and, and the people listening to us, mm-hmm. the football fans, people listening to KXNO are sports fans. Right, right. But I was really surprised to see Twitter and just, uh, you know, one person after another just ripping. Well, turn it off if you don't want to watch it, right? right if right. it's bugging you that much, find something else to watch. You're not going to do that. You're going to stay watching. Of course you are. It's Go to Animal Planet. You can watch the Whatever. Puppy Bowl. Find something else to watch. Uh, I want to get into Michigan and Iowa, and then I do want to spend some time on Iowa. We're going to spend a lot of time with Rob Doster on the Big Ten and the Big 12. He's mm-hmm. NBC. Sports.com. He's their college basketball talk guy. Uh, but the, the Iowa win trend to me was, was I didn't see it coming. It was it's great for the program, especially on the heels of that Minnesota loss. Look, Brasdikas and company, they get out to a really good start in the game. There was a there was a period that Brasdikas couldn't miss a shot. You're thinking to yourself, God, McCaffrey, figure something out to guard the Canadian, for God's sakes, he's killing you. And they did. I mean, I don't know how he had in the first half, but I don't think he scored more than four. Uh, in the second half, he was shut down. Iowa extends the lead at halftime and hung on. And that was absolutely a, I don't want to call it a must win, but boy, Trent, you said it. There were a lot of Hawkeye fans out there on that ledge. Mm-hmm. They're all back indoors now, and there's a lot of them that have scraped their knees, got Band-Aids on their knees from scraping them, jumping back on that bandwagon. I wasn't shocked by the victory. Now, full disclosure, this was watched on DVR. Shut the phone off, six o'clock. Mm-hmm. So, oh, you had a you had a North game, right? Yeah, I was uh, up MediaCom. At, yep, for working for MediaCom North and Hoover. Yeah, and uh, called both the girls and boys basketball How'd games. How'd look? Awesome as always. Yeah, he's so good. He's so good. He's matured so much. Mm-hmm. He should be playing in the state of Iowa. Instead, he'll be playing at South Alabama, which is disappointing. It it is, and uh, I don't think we get a whole lot of Sun Belt games. Unfortunately, <laughs> yeah, he's going to be a really good college player, but. So I got home, did not have the phone on at all. She had no idea what no the score idea. was. I, I accomplished the feat again, mm-hmm. which is difficult to do in this day I and age. You. Not to have your phone on and look a couple of times. Luckily, I had the watch so I could at least time things that way as opposed to using the phone. And I get in my wife right away. Oh, you don't have to watch the game. I'm like, oh, what does well, that why mean? Why would she say yeah. that? Because she likes to screw with me. That's what she does. And then she smiles, and what does that mean? Okay, all right. So she goes to bed. I get back to the man cave, go down and watch the game. Down 17-12, it's like, all right, here it kind of is. Michigan's better. Mm-hmm. It's going to be one of those games. They had games. a great start, Trent. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, all trouble started to pile up on the Wolverines. Very quickly. And that was Tyler Cook who was doing a lot of that. Mm-hmm. He was getting a lot of guys in foul trouble. Um, yeah, that's a great what point. What a Teske play. Not very much, Trent. Let me find out. 15 minutes? Box, 13 minutes. 13 minutes? 13 minutes. And they need their big on the floor. Because this is big not time. an overly deep Michigan no. team. No. Uh-uh. As good as they are, as good as their seven guys are, that's it. This is not an incredibly deep team. So you had that component. How about the run in the second half? When Michigan cuts it to five, you get Garza hitting mm-hmm. a three. You get Wieskamp. He was Camp. the best player on the floor, Trent. Yeah. You got Wieskamp taking over. But that lineup that they ran out there, not a, a lineup that you see a whole lot, but with the twin bigs, with him and Creener out mm-hmm. there together. Mm-hmm. You know what? Creener, yes, yes, Garza was the best player on the floor. Creener had a really good day. He was really too. good, too. Really good. And McCaffrey was running the point. Macy Daly, who didn't play a ton, but his minutes 
were really good. Didn't do anything offensively, yep. really, yep. but his defense out there was huge. He was an impactful player, and of course, Wieskamp, who hit a couple of shots during yeah, that Yeah, good to see him being back. He he played well. Uh, your guy, Isaiah Moss, didn't score points. No. Played played some appreciable minutes. He, mm-hmm. he, was, it wasn't, he wasn't a uh, an anchor by any means, uh, but you'd, you'd expect him to score a little bit. He didn't. And they he still won by 15. Locked in defensively. That zone defense was incredibly good. Mm-hmm. It helps when Michigan misses some open shots, and they did. Xavier Simpson was awful shooting the ball. We'll get to missing open shots in a minute when we go just to the north of us here. <laughs> and he's, Shayok, woo. That Xavier Simpson shot is ugly. It is. But he's been incredibly yeah. effective. We talked, he might have been the MVP, might be the MVP of the Big Ten this year. He's clearly in this conversation. Yes. So is Carson Edwards. Yep. Uh, so is Hap. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, Hap every year. Every year, right? Um, but yes, no, Sim, he's, Simpson's a nice player, big player on that team. But the Iowa zone is what, again, gave them problems. Beeline talked about it after the game. You don't see zone defenses built like this. We've talked about, I've talked about this with you, Ken, for years now. Iowa having some kind of identity. What's their identity? Make this your identity. Defensively, you mean. Make this your identity, what you do on that end of the floor. That zone defense. Don't don't go at 40 minutes. That's fine. But this is what we're going to do. This is what we are going to go a majority of the time. When a team's on a run, we're going to revert back to this. This is when we're at our best. I think that's really what Fran McCaffrey needs to do because this team, they're built to play zone. They're, they're long pretty much across the board outside of, outside of Bohannon. This is a long team. Run that zone defense. It's a little weird. It's unorthodox. I don't even know what you'd call it. I mean... I I've watched a lot of basketball, played a lot of basketball. It's not a typical 2-3. It's not the Dr. Tom Mm 2-3, the flat 2-3 that gives up. But there's guys, there's not a whole lot of gaps in it. I love the way they play in that zone. Well, they they wanted to play defense, Trent. That's what jumped off the screen at me on Friday night. That was the effort at the defensive end of the floor. All right, let's fast forward to Saturday. Uh, Hilton Coliseum was the scene. Texas was the team in town. It was a big spot for Texas. Texas, with a win, would have been right back into this Big 12 race. Iowa State... Looked, looked like for at least a couple of minutes, uh, like we were headed back down a, a familiar road, the K-State road from a yes. month ago or so. That's what I thought I was about to see. Uh, Marielle Shayok, who is the leading scorer in the, in the Big 12. Trent, I have never seen a guy more snake bit in a, I don't know how many minutes to play, 36, 37 minutes or whatever it was than, than Shayok. He missed one after another. Complete open looks right under the basket. Buddies. Yes. I mean, I, I, it was almost became laughable, comical, because you've got to be kidding. Like the first two or three times that he would miss one, but then the, the fifth and the sixth time you, you find yourself thinking, oh my God, I mean, everybody goes through this, just not my day. Yes. Right? It, it, Saturday was just not Shayok's yet at nut cutting time. Mm-hmm. Right? What does Steve Prohm call out of the timeout? Get the ball to the leading scorer in the conference and let him do his thing. And he rises up and he makes the shot. Um, he was due. He was. He was. <laughs> but uh, just a just a terrific, terrific play. And and for Prom to stick with him, you know, when he's having a bad day, you want you guys to keep shooting. But that was one of those bad days where he thought, well, I want you to keep shooting, but maybe don't keep shooting until the next game. Because boy, oh boy, he struggled. But at the at the prop at the right time, there he was. And I should say this: as much as he struggled. He was perfect from the free throw line. He was. When he got to the free throw line, he was perfect. So in a game where Shayok and Wigington combined to go 4-17 from the floor, Wigington for a long couple long stretches just looked like he was completely mm-hmm. checked out. He was... He's got that look every... Now, now I would mm-hmm. expect tonight that he comes out and he's a star. Probably. But he had four turnovers. It's just sloppy. Mm-hmm. 
he wasn't great. And I think this shows you now how good this Iowa State team is. Yes. In a game where Shaq is bad, mm-hmm. at least shooting the basketball, where Wigginton's checked out, and you're stable to go out there, hold off taxes. The Texas team came in very confident. And when it was when it got to halftime at four, it felt like Iowa State should be up a little bit more. Uh-huh. I it agree. felt like they yep. probably should have been up eight at the half. Yet there they were, and I think that gave Texas some motiva- some confidence that we can play with this team. Mm-hmm. We just beat Kansas, and now we can beat this Iowa State team on the road. We can do that. And like you said, down at the end, guys making plays. But how about the play of Cam Lard? Just about to say the same thing. How he gets that first, one of his first shots of the, I think it was the second time in maybe, went up, missed a bunny himself, and went right back up and put it right back in. His second jump, that, that's, that leaping ability the second time, there's not many big guys that can get off the floor as quickly as he does that second time around. They've got two athletes coming off the bench because Wigington is as good athletically mm-hmm. as anybody in the conference. I mean, his, his vertical is what? Somebody said 40-something? Yeah. I mean, think about that. Um, Wigington basically gave them nothing. Shayok struggled like crazy with the exception of the free throws. Halliburton had two points. Horton Tucker was really good. Michael Jacobson came to play as he always does. Um, big, big win for a uh, for an Iowa State team that looked as though Texas was going to find a way to pull that game out. And Iowa State now goes to Oklahoma and K State and Kansas play tomorrow. Yeah, we're about to get into a real fun time here in Big Twelve play and Iowa State clearly involved in this. So re- let me ask you this: back to Iowa for just a second, and the reason I want to. I'm going to go to Indiana. Indiana's win over Michigan State. The Iowa win over Michigan was improbable, in my opinion. I think it was even more so improbable that the Hoosiers would march into East Lansing and pick off Sparty and do so in overtime uh, as they just dialed up an awful play for it. Uh, um, Langford game-winning shot that uh, Archie Miller called a police. That's mm-hmm. the best you can do. I, I thought once that happened, Trent, well, this ne- five, next five minutes, I've seen this movie before. Sparty's going to pull away with this one and win convincingly. What does this do now for Thursday night, in your opinion? Iowa coming off a huge win over Michigan. Indiana, had they not been able to pull that one out, it would have been, what, eight straight losses? Yes. So you got to think they're due to win one of these games. Now you've got an Indiana team granted without Morgan, and I'll be shocked if he plays. Hurt that shoulder. Hurt the shoulder. Uh, wasn't able to finish the game. What do you expect on Thursday? And, well, obviously, you know, you've got a right to change your mind between now and then, but at first blush. Uh... Who Assembly Hall is probably the most difficult place to play. People will say that in the Big Ten. Now, the Izzo gets a lot of credit because you see the students there. Mackey but, as well. Yep. But you, you hear people talk about just how close that Indiana section is and just how it is with the whole 18,000 people in there. How difficult. A win, does that change Indiana? I kind of liked it. I liked it from the Iowa perspective because of the letdown factor, mm-hmm. and that is something that is very real, especially, I think, in college sports a letdown, especially after a win like that. Now, does it renew hope for Indiana that there can be a tournament team? They know they have to basically serve hold at home the rest of the way. Probably, I was got a shot. It might be. It's a fifty-fifty game. It's I a coin it flip too. game. But uh, I don't think anything changed. I think regardless of what happened both on Friday and Saturday in the two games with Iowa and Indiana, it was going to be that going in. Not a whole lot changes, at least in my perception of it. Uh, Rob Doster, NBCSports.com, will join us. We'll talk college basketball in a national perspective, but I have a feeling we're going to go Big Ten and Big 12 heavy uh, in this next segment. Dylan Montz is here at 11.15. He covers Iowa State. In fact, he's making his way to Ames for press conferences here, so we'll get him at 11.15. Scott Dockerman uh, from The Athletic. If you're an Iowa fan, if you're an Iowa football fan, well, if you're an Iowa fan, of course you're an Iowa football fan, 
he wrote a great piece on the 99 recruiting class and how that really jump-started the program. That was posted this morning at The Athletic, so we'll talk a little bit about that. We'll talk a whole lot about Michigan, the win over the Wolverines on Friday night. All right, so other than you, mm-hmm. just real quick, let me finish my point on Friday. Other than you having to work, yes, the building was banged out. It was. The building was alive. Mm-hmm. I got a feeling that after the building emptied out that Iowa City establishments had a really good night at the till. Fun night to be at the Ped Ball. I th- yeah, I think that this it's different in basketball. I don't I don't like the Friday night Power Five schools playing and taking it away from football in the fall. You mm-hmm. get five home games, right? Yes, there's five Friday nights, nine altogether. Um, but I don't have a problem with basketball elbowing its way into a Friday night because high school basketball is also played on Tuesday. I think if this was an indicator of how Hawkeye Nation felt about it, I know the wind makes it a whole lot easier to feel pretty good about what you saw. Absolutely. But the building was banged out, Trent. It was a, um, for me, too enthusiastic thumbs up. I liked it too. I've told you before, my favorite weeks are actually like the week we're getting this week. Iowa State on Monday. Drake on Tuesday, you and I on Wednesday, Iowa on Thursday, where everybody kind of has their own, and that's what the Big Ten's doing. Mm-hmm. And they're basically putting games every day of the week going forward, and they've continued to open that up. I'm fine with Personally, I don't like it because of my work schedule, mm-hmm. but I understand it. And if it continues to go like that, make it a thing. Make I Big Ten basketball on Friday night. Yeah. Make that an event. And guess what? ESPN, when the next round of negotiation comes, they get involved. They see, boy. Yep. We don't have a whole lot of Friday mm-hmm. night programming, and Fox is kind of getting some buzz here. No, Maybe no, we don't. should jump in, too. I agree. FS1's doing a really nice job there, and it was always perfect. It was over like five days. It gave me plenty of time to jump over to Live PD. Oh. My favorite non-sports programming. All right, we'll take a timeout. We'll come back. Rob Doster is here. Dylan Mont's 1115. Scott Dockerman, 1135. Trent and I till noon. Glad you're with us. It's Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. KXNO in your pocket with iHeartRadio on your smartphone. This is Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. Well, Maroon 5 for you, Ken Miller. I thought it was Ja Rule. (laughs) (laughs) This does not sound like Ja Rule. (laughs) Flaunting my music knowledge. Welcome back, Miller and Cotton in Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. Dylan Montz. Uh, 11.15 on Iowa State, Scott Dockerman from The Athletic. And about this time, about an hour from now, we will talk to Scott Dockerman. Right now, we're going to talk to Rob Doster. He joins us in his weekly spot, at least on a Monday. He joins us as we take a look at college basketball. We're going to do a lot on the Big Ten, a lot on the Big 12. Uh, but I want to start with you, Rob. A, first of all, great to talk to you, and thanks for doing this for us, as always. You know, last week, I'm not sure if it was Wednesday. I'm not sure the day of the week it was, but like a lot of people... Maybe watching a different game. Get over to NC State and Virginia. They're going to overtime. What a game. Virginia's about to get picked off. Well, it didn't. They lost by a point. Fast forward to Saturday. What in the world was that? I mean, that set the game back, Rob Doster. They scored 24 points. That was absolutely abysmal. I was watching that game, too, and it just... I don't know. I, there's nothing I can do to explain it. There's no, I, I don't understand it. Um, I think that it was, at some point, it just became a mental thing for NC State. Like, that's the only explanation that I can have. Because the other part about it is, like, they actually played well defensively. They held Virginia Tech to 47 points. Virginia Tech is a top-10 offense. Virginia Tech is legitimately really, really good. They have um, a kid named Nikhil Alexander-Walker who's going to end up being a lottery pick. 
They are one of the best shooting teams in all of college basketball, and they can really spread the floor out and and, and shoot it. And uh, they were held to 47 points. And if I would have told you before the game started that Virginia Tech was going to score 47 points at NC State, you would have said that NC State would have won that game by 20. But they didn't. They lost by 23. I just I don't under I, I don't comprehend how something like that could happen. And you know what? I think it's probably best if like we just pretend that game never happened, or I <laughs> called at halftime. I think that's what we should do. Should we just say the game was called at halftime because everybody wanted to go watch the Super Bowl. It was ugly. It, it was as ugly as you're going to find a college basketball game. Ugly at times for Iowa. Oh, okay. Go, go ahead. If it was me, if it was the three of us, right? And we just picked up two people, like two of your producers, maybe mm-hmm. brought my wife along, and the five of us went out and we played Virginia Tech in a 40-minute basketball game. Do you think that we could break 24 points? Because I think we could. Uh, I'm kind of a liability. Yeah, I play three-point line to three-point <laughs> line. So, I mean, we're going to give up 100. We'll score. Here's, 150? Here's my logic. Here's my logic. We're going to end up being down by, like, 85 points. Yeah. Half, yeah. Right? yeah. And they're going to bring in the walk-ons and they're going to bring in the subs <laughs> and they're going to clear their bench. And we're going to have a chance to kind of run up the score against guys that don't really care. I guarantee that we could break 24 points against Virginia Tech. We might lose by 150, but we will get to 24 points. I think so. Yeah. I, I, I'm good for three threes. Well, there you go. I'm, we're I'm almost halfway there then. You just got to find six more points. Yeah. You, you were a star at Vassar. Is that right? I was not a star, but I was on the team. <laughs> you were on the team. <laughs> you got us beat. You got us beat. Well, Rob, here closer to home, Iowa State. A stretch of time where it felt like maybe this was going to be much like the Kansas State game where they lost at home. They find a way to gut out a victory against Texas. They got Oklahoma on deck next. You've been uh, back and forth at times with this Iowa State team. Where are you right now with the Cyclones? I'm I'm all in. I think that they are a top 10 to 12 team in college basketball. I think that the key for me is going to end up being, I mean, it's Lindell Wiggins, Camp Bar. Mm-hmm. Like what are what are they going to end up being? How good are they going to end up being? And can they just kind of embrace this idea that, like, they might end up just being bench players this year? You know, and I was actually, I was having a conversation with Fran Fraschilla about this. And, you know, as talented as Wigginton is, if he's going to end up being an NBA player, like, he's not a star. There's no way he's going to end up being a star. And that's not a shot at the kid. There's like 20, 25, 30 stars in the NBA. And I just don't see Lindell Wickington ending up being one of the best 30 basketball players in the world. I don't think that that's a shot at the kid. I think that's just a simple fact. And if he has a good head on his shoulders, he would probably say the same thing to you about himself. So if he's going to be in the league and he's going to be a player there, the role that he's going to play as kind of a six foot two score is somebody that comes off the bench as a microwave score, when you need points, when you have, you know, the second team is out there, right? And he's going to go up against bench guys, and you're going to say, hey, go out there, get your shots up. You're only going to play 12 to 15 minutes a night, but we're going to look for you to be the guy that every fourth night gets us 20 points kind of a deal, right? And if he can embrace that role, he's going to thrive. and He's going to last in the NBA. That's what he needs to do right now for Iowa State. He needs to be the guy that comes off the bench and gets them – 15 to 20 points every other night. When they are, you know, struggling against like an old Miss, he comes in and he, you know, pops off for 18 points and kind of gets them going. When, uh, you know, when they're on the road at like a Texas Tech or whatever, he's the guy that comes in and kind of break down the tougher defense. And if he can be that guy and embrace being that guy and excel being that guy, I think that that, that is what is going to eventually take Iowa State 
um, to a different level because the way that they're like they're starting five right now, I just love the way that they all fit together. They basically have four perimeter players that are all the same size, that are all versatile defensively, that are all good passers, that are all going to be able to make threes, that can all operate in ball screens, and they they surround those four surround. Michael Jacobson, who's like kind of turned into one of the better big men in the Big Twelve, mm-hmm, he has. that I ever saw coming. So, right. um, I, I just the way that that team fits together, they need Wigginton to be a bench guy and be a role guy and to kind of thrive being that sixth man. And if he decides that that's what he wants to do, and he's going to go out there and, and, and do the best that he can at it, then I think we're looking at a situation where you know this is a a very very good team in my mind. They're still under rank. Like they're they're better than the twentieth best team in the country. And I think that they kind of what happened was they they fell, at least for me, they fell when they lost at Baylor, which like by the way they don't look now. Yeah. Yeah. No, so, I'm I'm all in, man. I'm all in on Iowa State. You know, the Big 12 overall, we'll get to the Big 10 in a second, because uh, we saw, you know, obviously, the Iowa beating Michigan and Michigan State falling to Indiana. Those were two eye-openers from this past weekend. But I think we're about to, to finally get some separation here in the Big 12 Conference. Kansas and K-State play this week. Baylor's got a couple of real toughies. They've got uh, K-State and, and Texas this week. So we're about to, meanwhile, Iowa State gets Oklahoma tonight and TCU at home, and you would think that they be able to take care of business uh, in both of those games, but you know remains to be seen. Do, are you at the point, Rob, where do you also feel like this thing's about to maybe not sort itself out entirely, but after this week we're going to have a, a whole lot clearer picture on this conference? Uh, yeah, I guess so. You know, I think that we're finally going to see a little bit of separation between like the top five or six teams and the rest of the league, but I don't think we're going to have any clear indication who's, who's winning the league for a while, you know, just because the, the way that I see it, the two best teams in the conference right now are both sitting at six and three in second place, and the third best team in the league is sitting at five and four in third place. Kansas State, I, I don't, I don't buy them as a contender. I think that they're a top five team in that league. I think that they're probably like a top thirty-ish team in college basketball, and I think they're dangerous when they get to the NCAA tournament if Dean Wade is going to play the way that he played against Oklahoma State. But I don't see them being a team that can win the league, and, and Baylor. I don't know. I, I, I can't decide what I think about them at this point. You know, I, I think that they are, they've hit their stride because they had a couple, they had a whole bunch of new pieces. Makai Mason missed the first. He's game. been unreal. Mario Kegler missed the first six games of the year. And they got the kid Jared Butler, the freshman that was supposed to be at, at, at Alabama. And those guys all were kind of figuring things out. And now you've reached a situation where there hasn't been really all that much game tape of those three players playing really, really well, and Baylor playing without Tristan Clark. And I think teams are going to start to, to figure them out a little bit. So I think that they're going to come up and end up coming back to earth. But, I mean, at this point, they're definitely a, a tournament team, in my mind. I think it's going to be hard for them to kind of fall off that level. Um, so I don't know if we're actually going to get clarity on who wins the league, but I think we're finally going to see some separation. Like Oklahoma's going to fall back to the pack. I'm not a believer in them at no, all. I think TCU is going to fall back from the pack a little bit. Um, the one, the team I'm most curious in is Texas because mm-hmm. I still believe that Texas is good enough to be a tournament team, and I still think they're going to pick off a couple more people playing at home. If they can get enough wins on the road, where they get to like nine and nine in the league, their schedule is just so good that they're probably going to end up being a tournament team. 
Rob Doster joining us, NBCSports.com. Rob, Friday night basketball. First, your thoughts overall on that. No, Iowa has another game coming up in a couple weeks at home against Indiana, and they'll play later in the year on a Friday night. Just uh, Maryland, uh, I guess Minnesota is another Friday night game. That's in March. But your thoughts on that. And secondly, Iowa getting their signature victory of the season over Michigan. I mean, I don't love it because that's the one day when we don't actually have anything going on in college basketball. Like, we just have, like, a Friday night, please, where we don't, like, media people can just kind of ignore it and not have to pay attention to the sport. But I get why they're doing it, you know. If you're Fox Sports 1 and there's there's basically nothing else going on on a Friday night, why not try to, to sneak in there and get a couple of marquee basketball games? Every once in a while you're going to end up getting, like, a, you know, let's say they had Michigan, with, Michigan ends up playing Wisconsin or something like that and you end up having, like, a top-ten battle on a Friday night, and everyone's going to tune in, and all of a sudden people are going to be like, oh, look, I didn't know that there was a Big Ten basketball on FS1, and, and it's going to get your name out there, your brand out there. So I get it. not a fan of it, but I get it. Um, as far as what happened on Friday, this Friday, you know, a great win for Iowa, um, and I don't want to take anything away from what they did because they just they, they kicked Michigan's tails, man. I, I was – uh, texting people about this, and you know, I was just like, you don't just walk into um, Carver Hawkeye Arena and think that you're going to push around with the guards that you don't do it. Um, but to me, like I'm not that worried about what happened with Michigan because I think that it was – I don't want to call it like fluky because I feel like that's taking away from what Iowa did. But this is just one of those things that happens in conference games, right? Like Michigan got in foul trouble early, and when they got in foul trouble, Iowa got into a rhythm against some of their second-string guys. Um, Ryan Creener, Creener, whatever his name is, he went out there Creener. and yeah, Creener looked like the best big man in the Big Ten he for like great. a good yeah. minute stretch yeah. at the end of the first half. And Garza was awesome. Like I love watching that kid play. He plays so hard. Um, and you know those two guys went up against Michigan's backup bigs, and, and they took advantage of them. And, and they schooled those guys, and they let those freshmen know, like Brandon Johnson, those guys they were like, hey, this is what the Big Ten's all about. So um, Iowa took advantage of a situation that made it difficult for Michigan to get their best five players on the floor. Michigan did not play well. They did not shoot well. They had a bad night, and it's just one of those things. that What happened with Michigan, it should be a testament to how good Iowa can be when they play well, mm-hmm. and it's a sign of why Defense. it's so difficult to, to, to go through an entire league season playing at that level and not have a loss because it's just you go on the road, and if you don't have your best night, and a couple of things happen, and you know you're going to end up taking a 15 point book. So um, I'm not super worried about Michigan, and I think it's a really good sign for what Iowa can be when they play their best. We have 30 seconds left. What did Indiana's win over Michigan State tell you? And obviously, they're going to go forward. At least we would believe at this point without Where Morgan. Where was this Indiana team for the last? For the last month? Great question, right? Where were they? Yes, man. They fought, like uh, real quick. This is all it was. Indiana finally made shots. They finally defi- decided to play hard. They finally decided to defend it with confidence. They finally played like they cared, and they ran into Michigan State on a night when they shot 8 for 22 from the free throw line. I think it's that simple. I think you're right. Rob Doster, NBC Sports, College Basketball Talk. We'll talk to you a week from today. Thank you, Rob. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me on, guys. Yeah, good to talk to you. Rob Doster joining us. Uh, one of our weekly segments. Um, real real quick on the Big Ten. I won't spend a ton of time on it, but uh, Tim Miles, I mean, he's over. Don't you think? Trent, they're reeling. They've lost five straight. Illinois, I mean, took it to them. Well, I don't think it was double digits in the end, but it was close. Boy, it certainly feels like the Tim Miles era in Lincoln is kaput. Had the had the mo 
two years in the tournament. Mm-hmm. Still didn't win a game, but right. got there. That's an accomplishment. Conference of hurt them last year. 13-5, and five, not good enough to get in. Right. And now this year, never got going. Then the injury to Copeland. Copeland yeah. and I think it is. I think it is, too. They support that program. They built the building. Mm-hmm. Got to take that next step. We'll take a time out. We'll come back, finish up the hour. Uh, Dylan Monson, 11.15. Scott Darkerman on Iowa, 11.35. Miller and Condon on Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. Sports Radio in Iowa starts and ends right here. This is Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. This is Ja Rule, Ken Miller. I thought this was Maroon 5. Way off. It's Miller and Condon. Welcome back to Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. Uh, did we correct the Claxons? We did, and a uh, big winner, 3-1. 3-1 and one three and one took, whether 1-3-1 and one or 2-3-1s. and 1-3-1, one, and, one, and then a three-way tie at 2-2. Two and two. We got into our tiebreaker where everybody flew over. And the, the tiebreaker was total passing yards, right? Total passing yards. And I think everybody was in the 500s, if I recall. Including a 600 in there that uh, crossed Josh off the list. But Jake, our second place winner, he gets the tiebreaker. Jake Morris, $25 to Claxons, 35 to our winner, Brent Brockway, with the Claxons. Both those guys will be giving them a call. They'll be set up to go to Claxons for a little BBQ. I was there yesterday at 11 o'clock in the morning picking ah. up my Super Bowl feast, and I've got enough left over for tonight's Wings? really good. Where would no. you go? I went brisket, and yeah. I went chopped brisket, and mm. I went andouille sausage, uh, mac and cheese, the yeah. baked beans, and the uh, some kind of corn. It's real; They're all really good. Lax yes. is terrific. It is. And we will give it away again on Friday at 1145. Sadly, there will be no more football. Well, we could do the American Football Alliance. No? <sighs> no. When does it start? Soon. I think it is soon. I don't know, Trent. Look, there's been so many that have come and gone in the past, right? And they've never made it, never able to get a foothold. Unless the NFL is sponsoring it or puts their name to it. Um, and even then, I'm not sure it would be successful. But look, at who am I kidding? I'll probably watch the first week just like I did with the XFL. I didn't watch week two of the XFL. Uh, but I did watch week number one. Did you see, have you seen Dion yet? I have the not. Oh, Trent, it's spect- I watched it again. Yesterday morning. So you're two up on me. It's so good. It really and truly is so good. Just that everything that went around the day, and mm-hmm. I don't think that he was treated perhaps in America's eyes the way he deserved to be. That was a spectacular feat that he was able to pull off. A lot of people thought it was selfish. Tim McCarver, mm-hmm. amongst the others, he had a microphone, and uh, to his credit, he was willing to go out there and, and say what he thought. Um, I mean, it cost him. Uh, with with the the water in the locker room afterwards, but I'll not spoil it. It's really really good. Dylan Montz is here in fifteen minutes. Uh, Tom, not Tom Caker, Scott Darkman, eleven thirty five. Miller and Condon till noon. Des Moines Sports Station, fourteen sixty KX.